Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This is episode 98 with Maya Sugarman. Maya is currently playing the title role in Jane Eyre as part of Island Shakespeare Festival's summer repertory season. She also has roles in As You Like It and Julius Caesar. We talk about the challenges and rewards of being part of a repertory company that does outdoor theater. Don't forget, you still have over a month to see ISF's 2016 season. More information can be found at islandshakespearefest.org. This episode is sponsored by Queer Pride on Whidbey Island. More information at queerparade.com. Find out more about this year's events, three days of free events, including a youth-led open mic, an unconference on Saturday, followed by a Saturday night soiree, and on Sunday, the flagship event, the third annual Queer Pride Parade. Don't miss this jam-packed weekend, which will be my last weekend in the Pacific Northwest for quite some time. Please enjoy episode 98 with Maya Sugarman. I'm sitting here with a very talented Maya Sugarman who has come all the way up from Seattle to be with Island Shakespeare Festival this summer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So we're going to talk about lots of fun stuff. How has the summer on Whidbey been so far for It you? has been so great. It's hard to imagine a more perfect place than Whidbey Island in the summer <laughs> in the Northwest. So that in and of itself has been pretty great, but it's also been such an amazing experience to be working on this kind of project. I, I don't think it's super common to be working at, at three plays at one time in such a quick process. We basically had three weeks of rehearsal before moving into Tech Week, then opening two shows within two weeks. So it's been pretty intense. And I guess this is our this is really our second week of having all three shows open. And um, it's just been it's been a lot of fun. Fantastic. Uh, how many of these uh, fellow actors did you know before coming up here? I don't think I knew anyone. No one. I knew no one. And now I feel like I have known everyone forever. They're family. Yeah. They are totally family because we spent so much time together. I mean, so much more than really a normal process um, because we were, we had three hours of rehearsal and a half hour break, then three hours of rehearsal <laughs> and an hour break, and then three more hours of rehearsal, six days a week. So we were with each other a lot and working on such different projects that it brings out different parts of people and there's just a kind of sense of, of trust and, and kind of working through a tough time <laughs> together too that comes from that. Um, and there's quite a few people who uh, are not from here and so are looking for family, unlike a kind of when you already have your, your little social group on your own sure. and you're just coming together during a show. We really, it was such an immersive kind of uh, project, so it's been a lot of fun. We just went camping last week. And Up to Deception Pass. We went to Deception Pass. We also do a weekly Bachelorette night, uh, <gasps> oh which my we God, did last that. night. Um, I have never watched the show until this season. It's a good season. I can't look away. It's pr- it's pretty amazing. There are some people in the cast, I won't name names, who don't understand uh, our, our love for the Bachelorette. Right. And I, I think... 
we've talked about this a lot and <laughs> if they listen to this they will know <laughs> I'm talking about but you really have to embrace the concept and the ridiculousness of the conceit of the Absolutely. show and once you do it just does so much to, I mean you can't you can't act this I've, I've never seen someone act that kind of vulnerability that these people somehow have on the show and right. the episode that we watched last night was insane and it was just like uh, heartbreaking are you caught up now? I mean, mm-hmm. this is because it mm-hmm. totally works though because I feel like this is what Shakespeare was back in the day. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The Bachelorette, we're all like, we're the flipping groundlings. We right. have our orange peels. Yeah. We're waiting to see whether it's going to be Robbie or Aaron. And like, we are not Aaron. Ooh. 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 Damn. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Dull. <laughs> Um, I, I will definitely put that true. in the episode yeah. description that it's a spoiler. Uh, yes. I, I, well, we were pretty shocked at the Luke <laughs> Right? Um, and I took this great picture um, of everyone just kind of with their hands on their faces no! in shock because it was really such a thing where you can see from the outside how well they work and it just was, it was shocking. And that kind of like lost love scene, I've never seen a scene written that well. It was amazing. Oh, and he was like, "This is this is not how it's supposed to yeah. go. This is not yeah. This is not where it ends." Oh and my and gosh. then he goes, "I already miss you," and it was just amazing. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, can you come up with a better villain than Chad? I don't think so. No, no, Chad's amazing. Don't and put he's Chad funny. There. He knows what he's doing. I think he's actually pretty smart. Oh, my mind is worrying now because I'm trying to draw like all of the parallels between The Bachelorette and Julius Caesar, but I don't want to work that out during your interview. But I think no, there's a fair amount. There, there actually is. And I also, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this today <laughs> and thinking about actually Jane Eyre and, and there's just like the idea of romance and like how people connect. Because one of the things that is true on this season is that the guy who got the first impression rose is ending up in the finals and yes. just like that kind of immediate connection that people have, which I think is very much what happens in Jane Eyre, that very quick connection of feeling yes. like these two people are meant to be together, um, you know, is pretty amazing. It's just amazing how true it is. It, so Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we've name dropped two of the shows. So Julius yes. Caesar, Jane Eyre, As You Like It. Mm-hmm. Rotating repertory. Rotating rep. So we, it's not quite a normal schedule. You'll have to look on the website to know exactly Which when it is. Which is Um But so we are here every evening, 6 p.m., Thursday through Sunday, at this wonderful space, this really great theater that we just change around a little bit and somehow it feels like the worlds are very different with the costumes and just the way everything's designed. Uh, and it's, it's, pretty cool it's just cool to be a a part of that um and a little scary because we don't get to do the shows that often so today we're doing Jane Eyre again and it's been over a week since we've done it and I'm a little scared but I think we'll be okay (laughs) I think it's a beautiful it's not only a beautiful setting right Mm -hmm. you're uh off of Max Walton Road uh about off the ferry maybe a 10 minute drive uh, and folks, as I have said before, it's really not that far from Seattle. No, it can take... Uh, make it happen. Yeah, about an hour, really, if if you don't that go at a really line. popular time. Right, yeah. as, as, as you should. But I think it's also a beautiful thing that... I mean, I know Seattle Rep does 
you know, you could see two shows in rep, but to have the same 15, act, 15 actors? Uh, yes, with, we have a youth uh, actor. Riley? Riley. Who's such a star. He's amazing, and uh, she's our 16th. But 15 core actors doing the same three shows. I, I, there are very few places left that do that, and outdoor theater, right. and pay what you can. Right. All, all of those things. It's pretty unusual, and, and pretty bold with the amount of time we had. I, I wasn't sure whether it would come through, but the whole group and the people who are making it happen are really, if you dream it, you can do it people. And Absolutely. Uh, it's been pretty remarkable. Scary also, but <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> so if you were curating, people are coming up People are coming up from Seattle. If you were curating their Woodby Island experience Ooh. for the day, if you were if you were making it happen, what would you suggest that they do before and after the show? Oh, that's such a that is such a good question. Um, we have been just having a great time hanging out on the beaches. Yes, um, and there's just so many nice ones to just walk around. Max Welton Beach, Double Bluff, um, to kind of do some sun bathing and tide pool watching and, and things like that um pokemon I, hunting yes pokemon hunting has been a big trend um and also uh you should definitely go to uh putney woods i guess because they have a jane air trail which i was really excited about what? i didn't um, know this. yeah it's this amazing trail system that was created by volunteers and uh it's in the woods and they're kind of these these narrow little trails that you can run or mountain bike or I think horseback ride if you are so lucky to be able to do that. That would be like the ultimate Jane Eyre experience, it, right? Yeah, so you should do that. And they also have the trails, like they have Wuthering Heights and then next to it they have Trail of Two Kitties, which I think is no! a very clever pun and I really like that. So I would make that part of my day. Okay. Um, there, I think the the... My favorite restaurant I've eaten at so far is probably Prima Bistro. Yes. Um, we were so busy during our process that we didn't really get to explore all that much. I mean, we sure. just had our, our days you were, just were very, very full. Yeah. So this is really actually the first week where I've gotten to do some of the more... Gotten to breathe. Yeah. I have a bike, been biking around, enjoying the summer breathing, you know, all those things. All the things. And folks can go, they could, if they were going north, you know, if they're coming down from the north, they could stop at Bayleaf, they could stop at the Tipsy Gourmet in Langley. Mm -hmm. Picnic it up. Yes, yeah. People love the Star Store. Yes. Which is in downtown Langley. Good place to pick up some snacks. Um, And there's also beer and wine available at the space itself. And so unlike a lot of outdoor theater that I've seen or been involved in, um, we're not kind of going from one park to the next, like some of the, the great companies in Seattle that do that, but we're in an, an actual place and we do have seating chairs that people can sit right. in. Although if you would like to picnic, you are more than welcome to, but you don't need to kind of plan on the camp chairs and the, I have to say I did yeah. it my, I did it. I've seen all three shows and Caesar was my last and I did bring a blanket mostly because I was friends did this surprise going away for party for me and they gave me a blanket and I'm uh-huh. like well I can go <laughs> I have to have use a picnic it yeah. now and it was so funny because afterwards Corey because uh when Caesar sees there's Corey made this great choice that Caesar shows up mm. as a ghost a few times after right. he's been killed I think people I don't need to spoiler alert that I think people know uh, <laughs> it's 
It's entertaining for yeah. me to say that. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he walked by, like right by me, almost touched me, and like I could see the blood dripping from his fingers. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. And afterwards, Court was like, I was watching you. I was hoping that you would jump or freak out, <laughs> but you were just like, you were too calm. Mm, Caesar's back. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, picnic it up, and I love that. I love when folks bring their families. I think especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as you like it, seeing, yeah. I remember, uh, I saw it, so the preview performance was, there was a lot of weather, and so I had to come back yes. and see the rest of it, mm-hmm. and there was this family that was sitting house left, and yeah. it was two parents, and two little kids, and those kids' eyes, they were so wide, yeah. this is probably like the first Shakespeare they'd ever seen, right. and they were so into it, man, the little girl was so into Phoebe, she was just, <laughs> she was digging it so much. Yeah. And the fact that it's accessible to all. Like, right. when you get here, you know, even if you have right. just a couple bucks, or hey, even if you don't. Even if you don't. We're really happy to perform for anyone. One thing that people should know is that Caesar is pretty bloody, and some younger yes. kids that have come of, have been upset. Have screamed, Have right? been a little upset. So we have been recommending kids older than 10 for Caesar. And kind of a PG-13. Kind of a, maybe. yeah, maybe not quite. Quite. Or, you know, just like warn them. <laughs> the blood, the, um, I still don't know how you did the blood pass yeah. for that. It absolutely stunning yeah well rose who is the artistic director is kind of a blood genius um and so it's it's bloody blood genius <laughs> blood genius uh and um and and even for the other shows we um i i think they have a, a policy i'm sure it's on the website of kids that are older than toddlers because unlike yes. some of the park shows where you can kind of come and go it's a little more contained sure. and a little less so we love young people, but a good thing to know when you're planning the your adventure. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk through your 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 roles in these mm-hmm. three different plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, you know, Jane in Jane Eyre. Yes, that's the one that I can uh, <laughs> that rolls off the tip of my yeah. tongue, and then. Uh, what are the names of your characters in the other two? Well, and as you like it, I play Hyman. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you play I'm, the violin too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a musician um, and sing gorgeously. Thank you. Yeah, so that's that's been fun, and I you know I did as you like it last summer also. So two summers in a row of as you like it. What role did you fun. play last summer? I played Phoebe last summer. Okay, mixing um, it up. Yeah, um, but actually a lot of the scenes that those characters are yeah. in are the same, so it's kind of fun to be part of that world in kind of an alternate universe One of again. my favorite moments is you making fun of Lucy Pierce's accent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments, too. The first time I did it, she was not happy about it. <laughs> but it's That's okay. amazing. Yeah, yeah. This this version of As You Like It is is um, not too cut. It's it's a pretty full version of it, and I, I know the version I did last year was, was significantly more cut, and this section was not in it. Um, there's just like this brief, it's like the first Lord says some things about Jayquees and Lucy has a wonderful, wonderful accent that I, it felt right to point out. Absolutely the right. Yeah. Um, and then in Julius Caesar, I play, uh, a lot of random characters. I love your, the, uh, uh, Bruno. Yes, Brutus. Brutus's servant. Yeah, Archimedorus. That's I'm, I'm very proud of my work in that. I love that character. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so in in fairness, it is not quite written the way it is, but because we only have 15 people and 
Um, and Corey wanted to make sure that we kind of kept some of the more important characters sure. kind of separate, like as the more important right. characters. Uh, there weren't that many of us left over to play the many, many, many servants and messengers. Um, so we had to combine two characters because of just the way it was double cast. And it made a lot of sense that Brutus's servant could also be the person warning Caesar right. of some trouble that might be coming his way. And uh, so I had probably too much but also we rehearsed Caesar at the end of the day and Corey probably thought I was totally the problem child <laughs> because I was making too much of a plot that didn't actually exist I in the so play invest- I was I, I got so invested and riled up in that moment yeah. I was just like read the letter <laughs> read the letter holy crap uh, yeah and I love my costume for that everything about that is great and then I play um like a Caesar's soldier and or not soldier servant and um uh, Mark Antony's no Octavius's servant. Yes. Um, and then I come back as Lucilius, who actually another Bachelorette reference. I was inspired by Alex from The Bachelorette, who you might remember is. Kind I of, can totally see yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was kind of a shorter guy yes. and like maybe had a bit of a Napoleon complex yes. and was like maybe compensating a little bit. I'm so glad I know that. Yeah, about your choice. Right. If you come back and see it, I think you'll really <laughs> understand it. Um, it's a real thing. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then, okay, let's dig into Jane. Yes. Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. I remember reading this book in AP English class mm-hmm. in high school. You have the book with you today. I do, today, yeah. Uh, which our listeners can't see. But no, it's, it's there. It's I here. have it. Yeah, it it's is. happening. Uh, and just, oh my God, like falling in love with Rochester, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a... Uh, 15-year-old theater geek with a big imagination, like, there is no bigger love than that love. When did you first encounter this story? I've read it in high school, but I have pretty vague memories of reading it. For so many people, it is their favorite book. And that is not my experience. I I mean, I remember kind of seeing the audition posting and being like, "Hmm, I think I could play Jane Eyre, but not really knowing... For sure, not really remembering, kind of knowing the key parts of the story, but um, I do remember that a lot of people really didn't like it in high school, and that I was I I connected with it more than other people, and I you know I remember like like I loved the Scarlet Letter, and I remember everyone hating it. Dude, Um, senior year Halloween, Mm -hmm. I was totally Hester. My college roommate was also. (laughs) Walking through Grove High School with a big red A on my chest. Right, right. It takes a certain crowd to get the reference, (laughs) but it works when it does. It really works. Um, Yeah. So I, I wasn't that familiar with it when I came to the script again. Um, and so, I, you know, a lot of people... Well, the, the first thing you do, obviously, is read the book, which I did, and I was so um, inspired by it. I mean, it's such a great book. There's a reason right. it's so many people's favorite book. Um, and I watched a lot of the film adaptations of it, too, which some people are not into doing, but I love film adaptations. I think they are so interesting to look at because they're also different and focus on different parts of the story, and I was really interested to see how other people interpreted... Right. the story. Um, and the other thing I did actually 
because I'm a nerd, is I went to a bookstore and I read all the prefaces and introductions that were in all the copies that I could find to just read a bunch of kind of analysis of it right. because there's so much in the story um, that is more than just Rochester. The love story. Yeah, yeah the, the love story I think is what people remember from it, but it is, especially in the book, it is not, it's not the only thing that happens. Right, there's, there's a lot of so commentary on class and yeah lots of commentary on class and you know when it a lot of people think it kind of also has to do with the chartist rebellions in the kind of 1830s and 40s and looking at kind of um this this idea of moving up in the world in a society that is limiting you and it is was you know maybe a pretty political piece to write in in a lot of ways and and certainly i mean i think a lot of people think of jane eyre as one of the first really feminist pieces of literature and you know in our kind of modern um interpretation of what feminism means it might not quite fit into that sure. and, you know there's a lot of ways to to look at it but certainly it was a very bold piece of writing at the time and when when uh charlotte bronte published it under the pseudonym Kerr Bell, um, a lot of people, you know, weren't, they, it was either like, it was a, a man who was really good about writing about women, women, or a woman who was just incredibly, um, like too risque and, and, and just kind of gross in a way for all of the things that she said and did. I don't know. I don't know why, but immediately you say that. And I think about like the different, I don't know. I think about Hillary Clinton, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like if 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 someone were saying the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but was a dude, right? Yeah, you know, it might be received totally, in a lot better totally. way. Totally, which is why I mean, all the Bronte sisters had these. They, they published, yeah, they yeah. they published their names all interestingly. And I don't know that much about this history, but sure. reading a little bit about it with the the last name Bell, and then. Um, uh, I think it was like Acton, um, Ellis, and you know, all with their first initials, which right. was kind of interesting. So right. it ended up being the same a initials. Little, it's a nod, and, right? And, yeah, a nod to it, and it's super interesting. I mean, those sisters were pretty amazing in so many ways, and I, I think, and I, other people have, you know, researched this and written way more eloquently about this than I could ever express. But I think there's so much that's a little autobiographical about it, and you know, a lot of what happens in especially, I think, Jane's childhood comes from their own experiences as young people in England, um, living at these kind of like charity institutions and, and experiencing all the illness that was happening. Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So this, uh, this is an adaptation. Uh, it premiered at Book It Rep in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, director Julie Beckman mm-hmm. adapted it. What's it like to dig your, just really dig your after hands into the clay of this character that's so iconic and, yeah. and with a lot of the text from the original um, yes. piece, well, I would I yeah. mean, almost exclusively. Right, right. Piece. Well, which is so interesting in that kind of narrative form of theater and something I think, and Julie has said this, um, but just to, to echo her you know, if you read Jane Eyre, the the kind of most iconic line, spoiler alert, is "Reader, I married him," and it's just indicative. I just got yeah, it's <laughs> it's this idea that like 
she's writing this for a reader. There is a relationship there's an intimacy. between. There's yeah. an intimacy and and a, like a need for expression um, that I think is really interesting and and um, is unique in literature. Really, that kind of direct relationship with the reader in, in that way, and it really sets it up well for that kind of relationship with the audience on stage which Julie has done so well to kind of bring those moments out Um, and the the thing that we've talked about is versus all those film adaptations which I talked about a lot of them um, make it seem as if the world is happening unto Jane Eyre all of these things are happening to her she's really a victim of her circumstance Um, and uh, you know a lot of the the kind of interpretations really get on that um, idea of her as being like disconnected, poor, and plain, um, you know, poor, obscure, plain, and little, all of these kind of smaller descriptions. Right. Whereas in this adaptation, because Jane leads the action, because she, she brings the world into being with the kind of narration, and, and I think this also happens in the book, she is so self-reflective in a way that just can't quite happen when you take out that those those pieces of the text and that makes it so wonderful I mean she's so much stronger in this adaptation than absolutely than she is in a lot of interpretations of the the story I would say that and now that you you've drawn out that thread um reflecting upon seeing the show yeah definitely felt that she was the agent of change in her life right right which is so true to the idea of Jane Eyre I mean another very famous line which actually did not make it into her adaptation because it is a little bit of a weird thing to say but she says the famous line I am no bird and no net and snares me I am a free and independent being or I'm an independent being with a free will which I now exert to leave you but that idea of being a free and independent human being is like pretty important and, and can be hard to kind of really capture how much she has that kind of sense of agency and independence and power um and, and it's it's pretty cool to be a part of it. It's also a pretty funny book, and especially in our context, um, you know, it's a it's a gothic story, but it's really hard to be creepy in the most pleasant place in the world, uh, Woodby Island, Pacific Northwest, in the summer. And well, some of those sound cues, the with sound, Bertha, yes. I tell you what, yeah, yes, they can be <laughs> creepy. But one thing that is also very nice is that even you know we're kind of. You imagine that it would be a much kind of more British, uh, gray uh, that's happening, but sometimes it's pretty sunny. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, Julie has done such a great job of building the script so that the humor is really set up at the beginning and then kind of goes through the end. And it's just a testament to how it's built that the laughs have been very consistent and that it's more about how the play is shaped and constructed than about how we are performing forming it I think right um which is which is pretty cool to see absolutely let's uh I want to dig into how you got here yeah where where did your love of performance uh originate can you Uh, pinpoint a moment yes I can I um when I was I think about seven I did a performing arts camp with Studio East um yeah um in and it was in the um what is that called? The the like Norwegian Cultural Center. Okay. Um, and uh, we were doing a version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I sang. I was Violet, and I sang 
everything's coming up roses, only everything's coming up violets, um, <laughs> you know, from Gypsy. And I was like, this is, this is my life. This is what I want to do. How old were you? I was seven. Okay. Um, and then uh, at that time, the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, may it rest in peace, still existed, which was a, a newspaper that had their kind of Friday arts thing called the What's Happening and they used to list auditions in there. And so I found the auditions listed uh, for a play at Seattle Civic Light Opera. May it also rest in peace. <laughs> um, and uh, I like begged my parents to take me to it, to the audition. And I got the part. And um, there's kind of like a thing that happens for children in theater that once you're in one thing, you kind of like... They're like, it, oh, you can, uh, you're well behaved and can project. Yeah, I yeah. want you that's, for my that's thing. That's basically all you need. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't yeah. mean to diminish no, the no. talent thing. Yeah, too, yeah. But no, no, it's it's true, and it's interesting. I mean, I have I have quite a few friends now who I met doing theater as a as a kid, and some of them are still in theater, which is awesome, and some of them are not at all, but are just the most interesting people. I know um, because I think you just you get exposed to a lot and I just think it takes a certain amount of self-possession even at a young age to kind of be part of those worlds Um, and I loved it I kept doing it and then as I got later in high school I kind of stepped back from it and I like wanted to do the high school drama club which I loved and didn't think I was going to continue doing theater at all I thought that I um, might go into medicine and become a doctor and then I there were kind of a series of things that happened right after I graduated college where I just didn't feel like I was in the right place doing the jobs that I wanted to do and I just kind of had this little dream of still doing theater and so I decided after I had these kind of short-term contracts that ended to come back to Seattle because I knew I still knew some people um, and also because I would have the support of my family um, to be able to to make it work, and I lucked out pretty soon after that. So, yeah, that's that's my journey, all from that Violet Violet's, regard. Yeah. Is that her last name? I think so. I, that sounds right. That's like Violet. You're right. turning Violet. Fact Violet. check it. Yeah. Of our non-existent fact checking department. Yeah. Make sure that that's correct. Yeah. So once you came back to Seattle, what? What are some of the, what are some of your greatest hits? <laughs> well, I was really lucky pretty quickly after um, getting here to be in Mary's Wedding with New Century Theatre Company. That okay. was my first um, thing, uh, really, once I came back. And that really worked out, again, because I just knew some people who were, that con- connected me, like my name got out there in a way that it never would have been if I hadn't kind of had that benefit of right. my many years as the child that they try to hide away <laughs> as much as possible. Um, that's not always true. We love Riley. Riley's right. great. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it is very funny to like not be the child in the cast. Um, uh, and so I was just, I mean, it was so perfect and such an amazing experience. And I learned so much from that. And I, it's, you know, well, I'll always remember it very fondly. So that that was great. Um, and I um, enjoyed doing Tartuffe at Seattle Shakespeare Company. 
um, the uh, As You Like It with Wood No last year, the memorandum at Strawberry Theater Workshop, um, and I uh, worked on Great Expectations at Portland Center Stage this this winter. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been very lucky. That being said, it's a tough life. I don't know that I see myself doing it forever because it's just it's hard. Um, but I've been so grateful to have had the experiences that I have had. It's fascinating. This, I mean, it's obvious that you're very passionate about your craft, but then I love that you're balancing that with the practicality of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's, you know, you have to, to be a working actor is not, is not an easy or a common thing. Yeah, it's not easy. And I, I think one of the things, because I was a, a child actor in the local scene, I mean, I really got to see people you know, trying to make those choices. Um, and I saw that it wasn't an easy life, which is why it was not part of my plan. I didn't want to study theater, but you kind of, it's hard to tear yourself away once you, you know, that's why the, the acting bug is a thing people talk about. Well, I had had my advisor in college and I remember him saying it in the like the perspective, I wasn't even a student yet, but like the informational session for if you'd be interested in theater. Right. Him saying, if you can do anything else, right. any other thing, right. do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know people say that a lot. I've just always felt like any other thing that I would do would be so engrossing that I wouldn't be able to do theater, like going to medical school, for instance, or like, <laughs> you know, do, uh, doing any of these other like right. variantist things. Like, I think a lot of people can make it work for themselves by being able to do something in community theater every once in a while or whatever that looks sure. like for them. But it's, I haven't quite found what the other thing would be and I'm not ready to let it go entirely so we'll see I think it will work itself out but it's just like constant uh crises of of future (laughs) what I should do but I I mean I think that's a pretty common thing for people too because it is such a hard lifestyle in a way it's a good good practice of being in the moment yeah definitely Definitely. Not knowing, not being locked into a job where you have to, you know, give notice and, yeah. and it's a whole thing. Okay, this is only right. a few months at right. a time. Right. Now I look at job things and if they're like a six month month commitment, I'm like, oh my God, that is too <laughs> long for me. Whoa. <laughs> right. Cannot do it. Yeah. What's, uh, what's after Island Shakespeare Festival, what's uh, coming up next for you? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I am thinking that maybe I might want to do some kind of election work since this is a big year for a lot of issues and positions and because I now I'm on this like two to three month uh, schedule it might work out really well Um, but then I'm I'm not really sure so we'll see how it all works out Um, but I think a lot of us in this group are you know really trying to make the most of every moment. And this is an unusually, at least in like this, this kind of part of the, the world, an unusually long run. It goes, you know, for two months. Yeah. Um, and not that many performances per show because we're switching off. Um, but, you know, two months in performance mode is a pretty long time. Um, and then that extra month, and we're, we're pretty much halfway through. We're getting pretty close. And we 
people are like, no, <laughs> it's already over. Maybe it's stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, it is good practice to kind of live in the moment and, and, you know, especially like I, I, it's so great to play Jane Eyre and, um, having those shows where you never go off state you don't get to play those roles very often where it's so engrossing and I um I love doing all the shows but I wish that I could do this show more I mean we only get to do it like 12 times um which is like basically a week in in you know a kind of standard theater setting or maybe two weeks um and so yeah it's it I'm excited. You definitely nothing. It never gets stale. It cannot possibly get stale. <laughs> Instead, you get that intense. I hope my body knows what I'm doing right now. Right. right. Yeah. That um, that dual that dual uh, layers of consciousness that you have to have as an right. actor, where there's the one level that's uh, I want to listen to my scene partners. I want to be as invested and transformed in this character as I can and then the other level of all right where do I exit where where is that cloak where is a cantrip on that yeah and I think that's right fascinating and a lot of people don't realize yeah I I also it's kind of funny because in some ways having the that I mean I actually think this is always true having the biggest part is easier than being the person that needs to do like a million things and be in the right place and keep things in check like that is very hard to do especially in this kind of style I mean way more challenging and also I mean I know it, I'm sure that it was things that no one noticed but me but in Julius Caesar where I'm more that person where I'm playing a lot right. of a lot of people you know I like you kind of stutter on one line and then you don't really get a chance to recover like you do in Jane Eyre where if I make one tiny mistake it is like <laughs> you know, no one will remember, including right. myself, right. two minutes later. Um, and it's also just so much less distracting when you have that kind of role that once you're in it, you're kind of on this ride and you can't get off of it um, versus when you get to kind of like go backstage and get distracted. Yes. Um, it, even if you're playing the same character right. where you kind of like have to jump jump in and out of the world, getting to have the opportunity to like go into it and, and just ride the wave is pretty cool and not something you get the chance to do all that often or at least not something that I get the chance to do all that often maybe some people do (laughs) would you say that you've that you've learned you've discovered things about yourself as an actor doing these three shows that maybe you didn't know before oh yeah that's such an interesting question I mean I think um because there is such a range for everyone and I, I think you know, because there were, there were pieces that I felt very comfortable in. Um, like I, I felt like I was very well suited for Jane Eyre and I felt like I knew how to do it well. And that I kind of had all the quality, like I, I came in, I think pretty confident that I, like, I wasn't worried that I wasn't going to be able to do it. I felt sure that I was going to be able to do it. But, um, you know, like we were talking about with the Archimedorus character, I don't think I ever would have pulled that out in a group that I didn't trust quite as much and in a group that I didn't feel like I had already somewhat proven myself to. Um, So there's something kind of special about having the chance to, like, make those mistakes. Whereas, like, if I was playing that role and was kind of just, like, essentially a... a, It's very important. But, like, that kind of spear carrier thing, you would be it would be pretty, but I would have felt pretty bold making a strong choice like that and didn't feel 
nearly as scared to do that um, when we had already done that. So it was it's that's been kind of kind of cool too, um, and it's it's really nice. I mean, we that all of the shows have very distinct styles, and so it's cool to be able to kind of jump back and forth. Um, so that's been that's been cool. Right on. Yeah. What is on your bucket list as an actor? Do you have your little list of things? I gotta, I gotta that, do it before I hang yeah, up. Yeah, that's it's such a good question, and, and I've been asked that before. And the first time I was asked that, I was just like blindsided. It had never occurred to me, and I still don't really have those. I think partially because it, I would be so disappointed if I didn't get to play them and so I think I oh man it's have... pretty, I mean for me Nancy and Oliver is right up there and I got I down to the final callback mm. I got down to the final callback yeah. and both uh, Bill Sykes and Fagan had already been cast yeah. uh-huh. and so both of them were like there's no way that you didn't get it right. and then I didn't get it right. and it's it's That's, a certain kind of soul crushing it is it totally is and I've had just like a little bit of taste of that and just enough to know that like a reminder to never set expectations and there is like you know I'm at a certain point in my life where it won't be too long before I age out of certain roles um and I'm you know that's it it'll be fine I don't I don't need to play every role, but I have a good Nancy story. I loved Oliver Mm -hmm. when I was a kid so much and had watched the movie a million times where they, spoiler alert, don't show Nancy dying. I did not know that she died. And my parents and I went to London for this big family trip, went to the West End and saw Oliver. And I was like, like seven or so. And she died and I was so shocked and so horrified I cried for like the next day it was so bad um so yeah I mean if I could play Nancy someday I'd be very happy but I I'm also I don't think that that will happen but I but you I would know. love to See, you never know that's why, I put, that's that's why true. we put this out there that's well, true well what's funny is that I also I don't know if a lot of people know this about me but I also uh I played uh, oboe and English horn classically for 12 oh, cool. years uh-huh. and so I went to the I'm like no I'm not gonna be on the ensemble thanks right, and right. I, I went to the band director I'm like do you need an oboe player yeah uh-huh. uh, and and it went on and so I was playing oboe and English horn in the pit and there was a couple of performances where our Nancy uh, lost her voice uh-huh. and the director had to step in book in hand yeah. and uh, this is one of my favorite war stories and so I'm, I'm walking in with my oboe and English horn. The directors, you know, they're trying to readjust the costume. And she looks at me. She's like, hey, if I played the, you know, if I played the clarinet, you would be up there. And I was just like, it's no. an oboe. Yeah. And I uh-huh. kept walking. Mm-hmm. This yeah. has nothing to do with you. But we no, talked about I Nancy. I had, I had to had take to. the story. Yeah. Actually, for yeah. The that, that story makes me think of an experience I had. I think I was in like maybe eighth or ninth grade, and I was playing Dorothy at Tacoma Little Theater (laughs) in Wizard of Oz, and I got really, really sick. Like, I could not sing, and there was definitely a munchkin who was so ready to go on. Like, of course, knew all the lines. And it was such a good lesson in that, like, like you are replaceable. Like, you are replaceable. You are not that special, and, like, 
someone will be there to be able to take your role and like that's a really good lesson to learn when you're young in a weird way right yeah in a weird way and I mean she did great and I wasn't like you know I I wasn't like mad about it but it just was a really good reminder that like you know it's not about you it's about the show and it's about telling the story story and, and people will make that happen um yeah but they'll it, find a way they'll find a way so as we're sort of winding our time down together is yeah. there any advice that you have for performers or actors that I mean what is there a philosophy that you live by or what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten oh I don't I don't know um but one thing you know I there's a lot of people who involve who are involved in theater for whom theater is like the only thing that they do and I have been lucky to like come from a place where I've just been experiencing like so many different like weird little jobs and like my education was in something very different than theater and I what was it uh, I um got a a degree in it's called social studies which is a lame name um but I um kind of focused on immigration and public health and was like you know way on a different side of things like not super artistic way more analytical which is bad I think I definitely am better at like analyzing something and coming through it from that than kind of coming through it from the emotion which I think a lot of great actors do but I cannot (laughs) um uh and I think like for like young people I think uh that's a good thing to keep in mind that you can do lots of other things and still do theater and be good at theater um which is not to diminish the the like amazing training programs that that people go to but I think like for, for people um, who, like me, had so many different interests and weren't ready to commit to that kind of thing, that's okay. And it's also okay if you know f- so for sure that that's what you want to do, that that's like what you want to do and dedicate your life to. But I think it doesn't have to be that way, and I think it's easy to um, forget that when you like, you know, go to auditions and everyone knows each other and like, you know, yeah. there, it, there's just kind of, it becomes, it becomes a really insular world. So insular. And I think so insular. that's, I think that's a great piece of advice because yeah. it, it's only going to help. It's only going to help you as an actor to, there's going to come a play down the road where yeah. they're going to need your insights on immigration reform yeah. in the table work. You know, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's, it's also important to right. live life. Right. Which, I mean, I think a lot of people do well. I don't want to make right. it sound like, right. you know, like I always am interested in, in what people are really passionate about, about outside of theater, but just in terms of like, um, kind of planning your life and, you know, I, I kind of, I do some tutoring and, and things like that. If, you know, I'm available. <laughs> um, so, so sometimes I do think about, you know, what, when you're like a young actor making choices about your right. next steps, it's okay to do more than one thing. Um, and, um, that being said, maybe I won't be doing theater in a year. So maybe I'm not the person to take advice from. I love, it. I love but it. It's we- more about being a person than about being an actor too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. 
will you take us out of this interview with maybe one of your favorite lines from Jane Eyre or a passage from the book um, leave us wanting oh more of Jane Eyre that is so that is such a good question <laughs> um Oh, you put me on the spot. I, I need to sure think did. of uh, like my my favorite one. There's so many amazing lines. Let, I, can I see if I can find you know, it? I do. I, lo- I love the audio of the pages. Okay. Um, there's just so many amazing, um, amazing pieces of this of this book. I mean, like every line. I sometimes just flip through it before a performance just to kind of remind myself what's what's going on um gosh okay (laughs) this is really fast y'all can't see this but it's very fascinating Maya's very wrapped in contemplation pouring over the book uh So I want it to be this moment that happens. Okay. So I I love, this is like one of my favorite parts. And I don't know if this will work as well in the book, but there's this great line. A new chapter in a novel is something like a new scene in a play. And when I draw up the curtain this time, reader, you must fancy you see a room in the George Inn at Millcote with such large figured papering on the walls as in-rooms have, such a carpet, such furniture, such ornaments on the mantelpiece, such prints, including a portrait of George III and another of the Prince of Wales and a representation of the death of Wolfe. All this is visible to you by the light of an oil lamp hanging from the ceiling and by that of an excellent fire near which I sit in my cloak and bonnet, my muff and umbrella lie on a table, I am warming away the numbness and chill contracted by 16 hours exposure to the rawness of an October day. And it's just like, so it's like much, the, only the first sentence of that nice. is in the play, but it just speaks to how well this book plays on stage. They do, and especially in like, you know, we don't have access to an uh, endless budget to create the world, and that's when the language is so valuable um, yeah. Maya Sugarman, you are a delight. <laughs> thank you. Everyone. You are a delight. Ev- thank you. Everyone, you cannot miss her in Jane Eyre. Visit islandshakespearefest.org to get the schedule and directions to the theater. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you.